and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our websites, guideemily.com and alexlacy.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours, as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, how are you? <laughs> I'm really good, thank you. I sound, I'm a bit gruff today. Um, I've, uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm fresh out of bed and I think my voice hasn't woken up yet. <laughs> well, you look lovely. <laughs> thank you very much, thank you very much. Um, how's your week been? Good, I feel like we're definitely, um, uh, we've got winter solstice <sighs> upon us. It is blooming cold out there, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, it's been a nice week. Good. The tree has gone up. The Christmas tree has gone up. I've not put mine up yet. Oh, have you not? No, I've been too busy. Oh, come on, girl. It's the 9th of December. I know. Sorry. I've let you down. I've let you down. <laughs> <laughs> but what's really nice is all the Christmas decorations are up in London. So they're yes. doing it for me, really. Which yes, is lovely. that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fabulous. Well, um, listen, thank you, everybody, for coming back this week. Um, really thrilled you're, you're back and listening with us. We've had some lovely uh, messages again this week. And um, we have had our vote on last week's podcast pedestal. Ooh. How are you feeling oh. about it, Alex? Well, I know what the results are. Oh, that's true. So, <laughs> so pretty. So I have a very upset. specific feeling about it. <laughs> Please tell me. Devastated. Your devastated. <laughs> because at the moment, what is it at the moment? Is it? It's five four. Is it? To me, I think. Yeah. Bloody Nora. <laughs> okay, so hey, you know that's not an insurmountable lead. That's only one point. No, no that's true. That's true. But okay. um, yeah. Okay. okay, because it's, you know, we have had a bit of a pattern where we were tied and then you jump up one. Yeah. So really, we should be tied today. <laughs> we should be. We should, we be. should be. Are we going to be? Can oh. you remind everybody just in case uh, what the options were for podcast pedestal last week? Yes. So just to remind you, we were talking about the 1212 fire that uh, took over Southwark, London Bridge and a little bit of the city of London. 1212, just before lunch. 1212, yep. And I, I personally went for the wind. I thought that that was um, a pretty important part of the story because without the wind, then the fire wouldn't have been spread across London Bridge and over to the city and you went for oh I went for actually the 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 villagers or the townspeople all really running onto London Bridge from the south to escape and from the north to help and it all getting really congested and kind of yeah a bit really not very helpful and and that's how um you know lots of yeah the, the situation kind of got out of control okay so let's find out uh are you feeling confident uh, to be honest not really um because i did look at my poll and um and it, it wasn't really in my favor so i really need yours and the ladies who london to kind of back me up here but yeah it hasn't oh <laughs> <laughs> right you know don't sugarcoat it for no, me no and, and it's not even close both. Oh, is not it even not? Close. is it not all right so the wind had 28 votes okay. and uh the london bridge thing had 72 <gasps> 28 votes that is absolutely appalling god why did i go for the wind i mean it was a great choice i really backed your choice 
You did not. You were looking at me as if to say, you're really, really going to go for the wind? You actually gave me an option to go for something else. I did. I did. And I didn't take you it. You didn't take because, it. Because, what, you? Be, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not a cheater and I would want to, to go with my own personal uh, thought and opinion. Even if and it really let wrong. me down. And it let me down. <laughs> Well, right, you know, well, there we go. God loves a try. Six, five, no, what is it? Six, four. Six, four. Six, four. Okay, this is. You're going to bring it back this week. I've, I've got a good feeling about it, babe. Got a good feeling about well, it. Well, I have to say, I am pretty excited this week to hear about Operation Mincemeat, as I think everybody else is as well, Alex. Well, I'm thrilled because it's, it's such a great story. Right, so. Um, cast your minds back, if you will, uh, to 1943, middle of the Second World War. Um, and we are looking at a kind of very crunch point in the Second World War where um, the, the, you know, the, the big chap that we hear so much about, Adolf Hitler, is sort of posturing for world domination and is really kind of ramping up the pressure. And um, the UK uh, and the Allies had to retreat from Europe uh, with the Dunkirk evacuation, and they are looking at ways to get back in and push in against Hitler. Right. So that's the scene that we are going into. And I want to tell you about a fantastically complex and really clever plot to deceive the Nazis. Mm. Okay. okay. Now, when in 1943, so we've got this, this situation um, and one of the things that uh, that Hitler is worried about is an invasion from the Allies. And well, he should be. Mm-hmm. And he is convinced that the Allies are going to attack Sicily, which is a point at which then they could push up into Europe and, and through into Berlin. And he is completely right. The Allies are indeed going to attack Sicily. So the Allies decide that what is needed is um, a decoy. They want to make him believe that the Allies are going to uh, attack somewhere different. In fact, Greece is where they're going to go for. Okay. It has already started sort of reinforcing Sicily, uh, bringing kind of divisions in, putting up loads and loads of reinforcements. And Sicily's where they want to land. That's, that's what's going to work for them. So they say, right, well, we have to devise something crazy. Now, if I were to ask you who you imagine, you know, from, from kind of all the fictional British figures could carry out a sort of daring deception kind of thing, which character would you say that would fall to? Gosh. Um, oh, I don't know. James Bond? Bingo. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Gosh, I actually got something right. <laughs> you may not have got the points, but you got something right. It's a, it's a strong day. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. James Bond. And of course, James Bond is not involved in the actual plot, but oh. it is um, a, a really quite daring scheme that is dreamt up by none other than Ian Fleming, ah, the chap who wrote yes. James Bond. Yes, yes. Because at the time of the Second World War, he is an intelligence officer. And he'd worked on a list of just over 50 suggestions of ways of deceiving the Nazis. This was a couple of years before this, so sort of 1940-ish. And he had got this list of, I mean, really quite crackers plans. Mm. But some of them, you know, you think, oh, that could just work if you had the real gumption to get on with it. Mm. And number 28 on the list, so nestled right in the middle, was a particularly daring and some might say mad plan. But Mm. this is what they went with. Now, I'm going to start by telling you what the Nazis found. So the Nazis found 
actually wasn't the Nazis who founded it. It was a Spanish fisherman uh, in, so the, the Allies are intending to, to attack Sicily in July of 1943. Okay. And um, we get to April and a Spanish fisherman has gone out one morning um, fishing for sardines and he finds the body of a dead man floating in the water. Oh what the body is, is it's, um, it's very clearly a military man. Mm-hmm. He's got a British uniform on. Um, and he's got a life ja- jacket over the top, a briefcase uh, attached to his wrist with a chain. And there are signs that he's been in the water for quite a while. The body started to kind of decompose and all this kind of thing. So this Spanish fisherman, as you would obviously do, pulls him on board and he takes him back in. And we're talking about, this is the town of Huelva, right in the south of Spain. Mm. And he brings the body onto the boat and he takes it back to the mainland. And what then happens is, in fact, he did say at the time, he said that there was kind of bruises on the face that made it look like he'd fallen from something, like a boat or an airplane crash or something like that. Mm. And he takes the body onto land and there's an autopsy that's performed. Um, The Spanish authorities are um, performing this autopsy. They empty all his pockets to find out who he might have been and why he was there. And what we know is that the British consul there at the time was also in the, uh, the room for the autopsy because, of course, it was a, a British officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they discovered in his pockets this whole, you know, load of stuff about him and, and who he was. And then, of course, you had this briefcase. Now, the briefcase wasn't opened, crucially. The Spanish were neutral at the time, but they, uh, Franco, who was in charge, was sort of tolerant really he had nazi spies all over spain and he was kind of tolerant of that and on occasion would work together with the nazis so this briefcase is taken to uh the kind of the, the naval spanish naval vault and it is locked up there now at the same time we know that there is um, a nazi spy who is in spain um and his name is adolf klaus and he's a bit of a big dog in the area he's a very clever spy he knows what's going on he knows about all the shipping um off the coast of spain he's many many years he's been getting the u-boats around to kind of pick them off and and he's been a real thorn in the side of the allies Mm. and he knows that this has happened this word gets gets to him that there's been this british soldier um or british officer i should say really who has been um found with this briefcase attached to him and there is probably something in there that he's going to want to see and he gets curious Gosh. and he goes to the funeral he's actually when the funeral happens they, they bury this officer in the town of Welma mm-hmm. um with full military honors you know the British consul is there full military honors and in the shadows watching this is the man Adolf Klaus who was actually known as the shadow that's how kind of shady oh. he was yeah I know right <laughs> the shadow wow okay and he tried to get his hands on this briefcase now amazingly on this occasion the Spanish Navy or the people who had the the, the briefcase did not give it up to the Nazis they shipped it off to Madrid mm. and it then fell into um the lap of another Nazi spy um to get his hands on it because Adolf Klaus had failed. Um, and this chap was a, a guy called Karl Eric Kulental, and he was kind of a major operator in Spain. And it was down to him to get his hands on these documents. Now, what happened is he managed to get his hands on the briefcase, and he was given one hour to photograph the contents of this briefcase. Wow. So he did that, photographed everything, and sent it all off to, uh, to Berlin. Now, 
eventually all of this ends up on the desk of Adolf Hitler. And in it, in this document is, um, well, in this briefcase is a document which is an, a letter between two British generals, one general who's based in the UK and one who is based in North Africa. And in the letter, it's not explicit, but he talks about in slightly kind of coded message, the fact that the, the Allies are planning to attack Greece. So we already know that this is an amazing bit of duplicity because we know that they're going for Sicily. Mm. Adolf Hitler buys it. Hook, line and sinker. Oh, he takes oh. all of the forces away from Sicily, or well, not all of them, but most of them away from Sicily, and he starts reinforcing Greece. He brings in panzer divisions, he brings in the air force, he brings in all kinds of people. And then a few weeks later, the Allies attack Sicily, and that is the start of them then pushing into Europe and pushing all the way to Berlin and starting to win the Second World War. God, this is very intriguing, and I haven't even heard the word mince yet. I mean, <laughs> the idea that, that, that this guy has been found chained to his briefcase, I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't, well, maybe they did question, but how, you know, if he was killed and, you know, put in the water, why the people that killed him didn't try to get the contents of the briefcase? Well, no, the, 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 the theory, you know, they, they, from what they saw in the body is that he died by accident in a plane crash. He'd been delivering the letter and it was a plane crash or he'd, you know, oh, he'd, and they, he'd fallen they overboard. Just, they just presumed that, but he was actually chained. Yes, because it was an important document, so you're not going to let it out of your hands. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Right, okay. So yeah. I have to tell you about the deception behind this. So the man, the, the body they find is a man called Major William Martin, and he is an officer in the Royal Marines. He's very much a gentleman and he is incredibly trustworthy. So that is why he has been given these documents to deliver to the general in North Africa. Mm -hmm. All right. Except he is not William Martin at all. He is a man mm -hmm. called Glindower Michael and the entire thing has been faked. <gasps> now, Glindower Michael is a man who was born in Wales into a mining town. A really, actually, you know, this is kind of the really sad bit of the story. He, he it's a very, very sad life. Uh, his father killed himself when Glinda was, was a teenager, um, and his mother died as well. And his mental health massively declined. He came to London, and aged just thirty-four years old, uh, he killed himself with poison in nineteen forty-three. Mm. and the death report that was given for him described him as a lunatic and a vagrant basically life had dealt him a really bad hand and he had not been able to deal with it so how does he end up being major william martin in floating in the sea off spain right so this list that ian fleming had come up with one of them number 28 was this um plan to create and it did actually say this is a suggestion not a very nice one mm. um to create an airman corpse with dispatches, fake dispatches, drop the body on the coast and let the Germans find him. Wow. What happened? So we have two major players in this, a chap called Charles Chumley, who is an uh, MI5 officer with the RAF, and Ewan Montague, who's a naval intelligence officer. And they're both, both very, very strategic thinkers. So this is exactly what's needed for this, um, because the Nazis were not very creative thinkers. They just kind of as long as you gave them the evidence that was it they didn't really sort of think mm -hmm. sideways about these things so they decided that they were going to uh to do this plan now they couldn't just find any old body they needed one that looked right you needed one that looked like they had been, uh, they had died from a plane crash 
or from falling in, from a boat or some kind of accident. This is what the plan was. So you, you, know, you couldn't, obviously there's tons of, of dead bodies after in the Second World War, there's bombings, there's all sorts. But you put one of those bodies in the sea, you're going to know that that person didn't die from a plane crash. There's, you know, you're going, you need a body without other signs on it. Mm. So what they did is they got a chap called Sir Bentley Purchase, fantastic name. Yeah. Um, and he sounds like a, his hobby rather than his name. <laughs> and um, he was uh, the chap who was in charge of the largest mortuary uh, in the country, which was stationed near King's Cross. Mm. And he was, he had a wicked sense of humour on him, like really kind of dark sense. Of, I think anybody must work in that you, You'd have to, wouldn't you? Really Just to would. kind of get through. Exactly. And he was kind of, he thought this was brilliant. So he was like, yep, I'm down with this. And so they said, look, can you just look out for a corpse that's going to fit the bill? We need somebody, you know, without a mark on them, that kind of thing. And the body that comes across... This is uh, fair. I mean, <laughs> it's just bonkers isn't it because they must have thought you know we've got to be careful as well you know we've got to make sure that the person that we ask at the morgue isn't going to suddenly you know um oh yeah yeah you know all these people official secrets act from the top down like properly Mm, you know mm. the highest highest security because if anybody gave this away then the whole thing is is bust and the war is potentially lost and there's a lot at stake here it's not your average day when somebody walks in and says look we need one of your bodies it's really not (laughs) so um, he finds the body of Glinda and Michael and he says, yeah, this is absolutely brilliant. And he, he gets hold of the two men, um, Chumley and Montague and says, right, I've got the guy. Absolutely perfect. And because he'd killed himself with poison, this was probably not going to be a problem in any autopsy because, um, it just wasn't going to show up. You know, the autopsy at the time no. was not massively sort of, uh, in depth. So it, it was going to be okay. Or they, that, mm-hmm. that was the plan. But you know, all of these things, there are potential flaws there that if they are discovered, the whole thing is blown. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, and at this point, Chumley and Montague are thinking, we need a code name. We need a code name for this. And they both had this dark sense of humor. They're working with Bentley Purchase, who's got a um, really, really dark sense of humor. And so they came up with Operation Mincemeat. This very wow. reason, which is hilarious. Anyway, now, Above and beyond the body, they had to make sure that this guy was believable as a British Army officer. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just dump a body there with documents and then have nothing else on him because people just, you wouldn't buy that. You wouldn't no. buy that. Any kind of espionage um, organisation is going to be like, mm, no. So what they had to do is they had to essentially create a really convincing biography of the man and they had to make it watertight. So William Martin was his name that's the name they gave him um they had the you know uniform for the um major was absolutely fine that was so easy uh, to get but um i think it was chumley wore the uniform every single day to give it the wear and tear that it needed so that it looked like it had been worn mm, very clever what they also did is they decided that you know he's a, he's an army officer they have to dress him correctly so you've got the uniform but what's under the uniform it's underwear and clothing was rationed. The Chumley and, and, and Montague clearly weren't going to give up their own pants because, you know, that was a bit... Excuse oh, me. Heaven, but no, uh, new pants, please. Way, new pants, please. <laughs> new We've got pants, it again. please. New pants, so, please. So essentially they had to source underwear from somewhere from somebody who would, you know, that an officer would actually wear. So you can't just go and get any old stuff because he's an officer in, in the Marines. Mm. He's going to wear a certain standard. Mm-hmm. So there was a chap from Oxford University who was um, a professor and he'd been hit by a tram a couple of years earlier and had died and had left this most mind-blowing array of underwear. And so they went to Oxford and they borrowed his underwear. They got pants, uh, a vest and some socks from him, which is just hilarious. It's just, this is it's what just, they did. 
Wow. It gets, it gets better. It gets um, better. Can I just quickly ask a question? Um, you know the, the body that they decided to go with? Yeah. Um, the gentleman who um, died by uh, taking poison. Mm-hmm. Did he have... I presume he was chosen because he had no relatives. He had no connection to anyone. Yeah. If he did have relatives... Oh, so he didn't. No, he didn't have any relatives. He yes, that's, was, that was another good thing is that, you know, I mean, realistically, it would have happened probably without anybody's no knowledge anyway, mm. because this was top secret. You wouldn't have wow. gone to the family and said, we need this. But it was very, very helpful that he had nobody. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. there was nobody going to be claiming a body. Um, and they have to also, they have to create this biography further. So they had to have a photo of him for his ID card. Uh, I don't know if you ever tried to take photos of a dead body. Probably not. Uh, uh, not this year. <laughs> Spoiler, it's not easy. When you try and take a photo of a dead body, they look dead. There's no way of making them look alive. <laughs> so they had this problem. <laughs> so what they had to do was cast around for a body double. And they found, a, actually it was a fellow intelligence officer who was the absolute spit of Glinda Michael. No way. So he had his photo taken and he was the face on the ID card. <gasps> but as well as that, they had to also um, create, you know, you had to create a life lived. So... The, the uniform that he's wearing, the clothes that he's got with him, they're not going to be completely devoid of stuff. That, that, that screens, you know, deception. Mm-hmm. So they had to fill his pockets. And this is a thing that they call in uh, the trade, they call it pocket litter. So all mm. the stuff that, you know, if you went to your coat and had a dig in there, what you'd find, you know, old bus tickets, a sweet wrapper, oh, um, maybe a receipt for something. I mean, you can just know what you've got in your, in, your, uh, <laughs> in your pockets. You know, if you look at my handbag, I mean, it's... it's a, chaos of, of everything I've been doing or not doing in the last nine months. Um, so this is what they had to do. They had to create, they created bills for him. Um, they, the kind of the, the persona they gave him was that he was, um, you're very romantic. He was in love, mm-hmm. but he was also wildly in debt. Um, and so they had a bank manager's letter about his overdraft on him as well. He had some bus tickets. He had a couple of receipts, but because he's this sort of, you know, no, no self-respecting officer is going to go away to war without a photo and a letter from his sweetheart. Mm. So they had to create a sweetheart. Gosh. And they the, just, the lengths that they've gone oh. is just unbelievable. And it's, it's going to work. This is what's the brilliant thing about it. Mm. So they decide they're going to give him a girlfriend called Pam and they needed a, uh, a photo. So they went to, now this is where it gets, you know, wonderfully sort of um, not very feminist. They go to all of the, the ladies in the typing pool and they said, you know, these are all the kind of female staff of the intelligence really. Mm. And they said, look, if you want to be his girlfriend, pop a, pop a photo up and we'll pick one. So it's like kind of beauty parade. But um you know, the girls were down for it. Like they, they thought it was just so, because they knew what was going on. These are women who are working at the absolute highest level of security. So they're, mm. you know. They're protected. They're, they're party to this. Or, you know, not all of them, but some of them. Mm. And so they started submitting their pictures. And they really wanted to be, uh, you know, William Martin's girlfriend. Well, I guess, you know, this is probably quite exciting. They've been typing away, you know, every day. And suddenly, yeah. you know, there's this idea that your face is going to be picked to be the girlfriend of a, of a dead man. Absolutely. And in the end, one is picked. And um, as well as that, there is also a receipt for a diamond ring from a Bond Street jeweller. So he, she was going to get proposed to at some point. Um, they had to create love letters as well. And all of this stuff went into his pockets. This was all his pocket well, letter. Well, but then, you know, when this, this particular lady that was picked, you know, suddenly she is uh, somebody's fiancé. Mm. And is she going to carry that 
well, she'd have to carry that her whole life. I mean, what if she, you know, actually finds someone and says, oh, just let you know, I was, uh, I was seeing somebody, um, they died, they fell out of a plane. Like, would she have to actually... But she's not a real woman. She's just put her photo forward. Oh, right. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting so <laughs> tangled in this. I know, it's very easy to get tangled. Um, so yeah, no, she, she is the face of the girlfriend. Someone else has written the love letters. You know, so it's this big kind of, everybody's involved, really. It's amazing. Mm. And when they've done all this and they've created the body, um, it is time to, uh, for the plan to be enacted. Um, the body of Glinda Michael has been in uh, the mortuary in Hackney for a couple of months. So they go and collect him. And this is kind of the really macabre bit of it. They can't get the boots on his feet because his feet are, feet are frozen solid. Oh, that is yeah. vile. <laughs> so what they do is they get, you know, those little sort of electric two bar heaters that you used to get. They get one of those and they basically have to defrost his feet until they can get the boots Pour on. Pour out his feet. Yeah. Gosh, I bet that was a, an afternoon was a and a half. <laughs> And then the plan is afoot. Now they have to get his body to the right place. So they drive. So Chumley and Montague, along with uh, a driver, drive the body up to Scotland. But it's not the body is not open uh, to you know for anybody to see. Mm. What they've done is before they've left the mortuary, they've popped him in this huge kind of long canister, and the canister has been sealed up, and it's got you know that sort of. Um, that it's got equipment on the side of it. Okay. So anybody seeing this is not going to know because by the, when it leaves the, the mortuary, this is, we're talking top, top secret. Nobody or very few people along its route are going to know what this is. So they drive up to Scotland through the night and the following day. And when they get to Scotland, there is a submarine waiting for them. The canister is loaded onto the submarine and the only person on the submarine who knows what's in it is the captain. Everybody else, uh, all of it, so it's actually loaded in via the kind of the torpedo hatch. And it's then, I don't know if you've ever seen, if you've been to HMS Belfast and seen on the boat there, um, all the, the kind of the torpedoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're sort of hanging in, in the main part of the, the submarine. And all of these um, submariners for the next four days are basically hanging out around a body in a canister. And they have no they idea have that's no what idea. it is. Wow. Now they get to the coast of Spain about four days later. Mm. The uh, submarine waits uh just off the coast for the dawn they say see this fisherman go over the top and as he goes over they surface behind him they open the canister and they push uh the body of glinda michael who is now william martin overboard and then they say a few of the kind of funeral rites and then they get out of there so when this fisherman is coming back he is the one who's basically been selected to find this body and is the fisherman into it in it as well? No, 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 no. No, oh, so he's no, not. He's he is not. just literally just like From shit. The minute, body. the minute the body goes overboard, that is it. It is down to wow. the operation. There's so out. much risk involved. I oh, mean, if suddenly the body enough. goes under and you lose the body, and you know it doesn't get well, he's, so he's that? got. They, they've made precautions for that. Bodies tend to float, mm. in my opinion, in my in my experience. Um, but they've also given him a life jacket, so that would of course help him float. Okay. Um, and you know, it, so they, they have done everything mm. that they can possibly do. And there's even more details that I can't go into, but like, you know, it's properly, properly thick with, with, yeah. but it doesn't stop here. Okay. So the body is taken on board, uh, sorry, on, yeah, on board the boat and then off for the, um, autopsy. And I mentioned about the autopsy happening and the documents not being looked at. And one of the reasons for this is that uh, the British consul uh, is there at the autopsy and it's a really, really hot day. And he knows that if the autopsy carries, goes on and on and on, they're going to find 
signs on the body that uh, all is not quite as it might seem. Mm-hmm. So he knows he has to wrap it up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's a very hot day. And he basically says, look, this is a fairly, you know, clear cut case. It's getting really hot. The body is pretty badly decomposed. It, you know, it's not a great place to stay for too long. Are we happy to just wrap this up? And they go, yeah, yeah, fine. So they wrap it up. They say it's death by drowning. Mm. and then they bury the body a little bit later on. So British Consul has done his job because he's in on it. So he knows. Yeah. Yeah. And he's done his job to kind of speed it along a little bit. Yeah. Now, as this is then the documents, as I mentioned earlier, the documents are going through these channels, the Nazis trying to get their hands on them. We have Bletchley Park over in the Mm. UK who are um, code crackers. And they have been looking, by this point, they cracked the, the Enigma code, so they're looking at all the messages. Mm-hmm. And they have been briefed to look for any messages based on this plan. So anything that comes up that might mention this briefcase, this, this body being found in Spain, et cetera, et cetera, um, that they have to report this up the chain. Mm. And the two men, Chumley and Montague, are waiting for this to happen. And they're, you know, you can kind of imagine them in the in the uh um, cabinet warrants pacing around waiting mm. for something and no messages come there is nothing forthcoming and they think they've rumbled the plan they've rumbled us they know you know they, they, they're in on it they, they they know and eventually about nine days later a message is decoded um oh actually what they do is is in order to kind of uh, keep it going a little bit they, um, Chumley and, and Montague start to send loads of messages demanding that the British consul find out what happened to the missing documents and saying that the care must be taken, that it should not get into undesirable hands. So they are sending these messages, which the Germans are, are seeing, they're making sure that the, the, the Nazis see them. And this is basically stirring. Yes. They're going, you know, so then it, it looks like these Even secret more messages so. are passing. Yeah, we to do go, not want guys, these to go into what's Nazi hands. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, they are putting down all of these different kind of little things, um, little kind of breadcrumb trail to, to lead mm. them where they want to lead them. And after nine days, a message is decoded. Um, it's, you know, time is running out. We get, we're coming quickly towards July, which is mm. when the invasion of Sicily is due to happen. And suddenly a message is decoded that says, that mentions this plan. And it gets to uh, Montague. He is over the moon. And basically the the message sort of says that they're a dependable source, one that Mm -hmm. they can definitely trust, um, has said that an attack is imminent on Greece. And Montague sends Churchill um, a missive and he says, mincemeat swallowed hook, line and sinker. (gasps) And immediately Hitler starts moving troops across. He moves submarines, he moves gun emplacements, he moves everything. And a missive is sent within the German ranks to expect imminent attack on Greece. And the very next day, the Allies land in Sicily. (gasps) So the whole thing has worked. And I mean, it it sounds like this sort of crazy plan and it is completely crazy. It's completely mad and very, very daring. But it saved thousands and thousands of lives because if they'd gone into Greece they were expecting for tens of thousands of losses in the first 24 hours and uh, of troops and actually only about 1400 were either lost or injured so it saved thousands of lives and um was it meant that Hitler had to call off an offensive against the Soviet front Mm -hmm. which meant that the Soviets were then free to march straight down and into Berlin 
So this was the start of the turning of the tide. I'm so surprised I haven't heard this. (laughs) It's great, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Um, Can I just quickly ask, in terms of the time frame, when, you know, they chose uh, number 28 on the list to the point that they uh, released the body Mm -hmm. to the the sea, onto the shore, what was, do you know how long that was? A couple of months. So Just uh, a couple of months. Just a couple of months. So Glinda Michael, I believe he died in January. Okay. And this uh, took place in April. Wow. Well, I guess it had to be pretty speedy because of the yeah. the, the body decomposing more so more than exactly. it needs to be. Wow. Isn't it amazing? Wow, wow, wow. So the last bit I want to tell you very quickly is about Glinda Michael. Okay. Because, of course, this man is buried in Spain as Major William oh, uh, Martin. Yes. He's buried as an army officer. And, of course, this story was top, top secret. Mm. And the only reason that they kind of found out the name of... The, the, the man, the, bo- the man's body that was used mm. is because um, secret files were released about 50 years after they became declassified and somebody leafing through found his name because his name wasn't known. You know, there'd been films and all sorts of stuff made about this. People knew about this plot. Mm. Um, I mean, not immediately, but, but after a little while. But the exact details of it weren't known. And so there was a researcher who just came across it. And if he hadn't noticed the name, Glinda Michael, we would not know who that man was. And so he was buried in Huelva in this um, grave that had Major William Martin on it. And then a few years back, uh, it was updated to include his real name. So this oh. is a man who's, you know, his actual life is really quite sad and, uh, and, and didn't really come to much. But in death, he changed the course of the Second World War. Oh, isn't that astonishing? Yeah. You know, the idea that... He, he had no idea how much he did, no. how much he did for so many. That's that's an unbelievable quite story. Something, isn't it? it really is. It really is. Yeah. So there we go. That Gosh. is Operation Mincemeat. And the list, I mean, obviously we know that was number 28 on the list. Was the list, you know, do we know what else was on the list? I don't actually know. I've not looked into the list. Um, I'm sure it's knocking around somewhere. Mm. Um, it would be great, wouldn't it, to have a little look at that. I might yeah. have to do some research on that, see if we can find it. But that was Ian Fleming's idea. Ian Fleming's idea. The creator of James Bond. That's... God, what a, what a guy. Right? Right? I mean... <laughs> oh. You would never think that that would be possible in a million years, but... No, was. no. The, the, the depths they went to, to create a profile for that man. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that story, Alex. That is unbelievable. Yay. Yay. There we go. If anybody wants to know more about it, um, there was a film that was made, I mean, goodness, years ago now. It's a black and white film. uh, And it's called The Man Who Never Was. The Man Um, Who Never Was. I'm going to have to watch it. Whether or not, I haven't actually seen, I saw it many years ago, but I haven't seen it recently. So I don't know whether it's, you know, the accuracy of it, um, Mm -hmm. since of course only certain details were available. Mm. But there was a really, really good BBC documentary a couple of years ago, which I think you could, it's not on iPlayer. Mm. Um, is it it might be available on youtube or something i saw it a few years ago which is what really sparked my interest in this and yeah, i'm sure it's findable on, on youtube or video or something like that it's a really really good mm. documentary talking all about it podcast pedestal oh gosh and now my mind is going mad for podcast pedestal because there are so many things i'm gonna i'm gonna say this right out are we having an amnesty on Glinda and Michael? Because I think neither of us can realistically put him up there, even though he should be up there. Or are we actually, are we going to open that up as, as one of the options? 
Look at your look at your your face. Look at your face. I could just I could just see the evil crossing your face. She's like, well, I'm to steal be, that. Oh no, I to be honest, I feel like I want to go for the briefcase because of that okay. that that visual, that visual aid that was really important. Okay. You know, the idea that it was chained to him. I think I might go for the briefcase, but there are so many things in this story that are just so poignant and important. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also quite tempted to go for, <laughs> just because it really made my eyebrows raise, the, um, the, the, the time when they were defrosting his feet. <laughs> but I'm not going to go for that. No, I'm not going to go for that. You want to go for, for Chumley and Montague, who were the kind of the... No, stop trying to put ideas into my head. Alex. Or 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 um, Bentley purchase. No, no, I want to go for a physical object. Okay. That that I think is um, a really important part of the story. I think okay. I'm going to go for the briefcase. All right. Briefcase chained to his arm. Briefcase I want that bit in there as well. Yeah. You want that bit. Okay. Well, I, right, so I, I really want to go for Glinda and Michael, but I think that's a bit unfair because I think he is the entire linchpin of the story. He is. So I'm not going to go for Glinda and Michael, oh although I... Oh my gosh, I, you're so lovely. <laughs> maybe I am, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very nice for you, Alex. And you know, I, well, I think realistically, yeah, Glinda and Michael is just, I mean, what, what a sacrifice. And, uh, you know, he didn't know he was making the sacrifice, but... I mean, what a, a role to play in this. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is, a, I think that's unfair. So what I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for the pocket litter because that mm. is the stuff that creates the character, the person that was William Martin. Without all that stuff, the rest of it is not believable. All of those little bits and pieces, the tickets, the love letters, the, 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 the photo of, of Pam, all of that, for me, is is that's the linchpin. But would they have really have gone into all of those details and checking out everything if they hadn't seen the briefcase? You may have a point. Let let the people decide, Alex. <laughs> but they wouldn't believe the briefcase if the pocket litter wasn't there to uh, to f- flesh out the biography. Well, you know, there was a lot done on his body. His coat was worn for days. <laughs> <laughs> Pocket pocket litter is incredibly His feet important. Feet were defrosted for heaven's sake. <laughs> I mean, I love that you're trying really hard to, to, to find your corner. I love it. Briefcase chained to his arm. Pocket litter, which is the whole thing that brings it together. And oh, shut up. <laughs> so there we go, everyone. Those are your choices for next oh, week. Great. Um, that was such a wonderful story, Alex. And thanks. can I, you just remind me of the name of that movie? The Man That Never Was. The Man was it? That Never Was. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. watch that. Definitely. Thank well, you. And I don't know what the documentary is called, but I'm sure if you shoved Operation Mint Me into, into YouTube or, or somewhere, then it will come up. Um, Brilliant. Brilliant. So there we go. That is it. Lovely. So, um, Alex, do we have anything coming up? Is there anything that you're doing that you'd like to yes. tell people about? Yes, I am actually. I have uh, today launched a new virtual tour, which I'm super excited about. Now, I, I'm, I've been, I'm doing 
Christmas Lights walking tours on the next two Sundays, uh, late afternoon. So if you want to come on a walking tour, please do. But I had loads of people contact me to say, I'm not in London uh, or not in the UK. And I, you know, I'd love to do that. So I'm going to do a virtual Christmas Lights tour, but it's going to be live. So I'm going to be out on the streets doing the walking tour and you're going to be watching live on Zoom. And it is also going to have the opportunity to watch back if you cannot watch live. It's going to be on the 22nd of December in the evening. Um, and if uh, when you sign up for it, there is a little tick box to say if you're watching live or not watching live, because I'll then send you out a link if you are, if you've chosen to watch afterwards. Um, so fun for everybody. I'm going to get a little bit of festive cheer going. Um, but that's yeah, so I've launched that today. And you can find that on my website. And if you sign up to my newsletter, you get a discount code for 20% off. Oh. So there we go. Fantastic. Oh, that sounds brilliant doing it live. That sounds yeah. really good. What about you? Um, so I also have my Christmas tour. So I had one last night, which was really fun. Yeah. And I've got uh, another one next Tuesday, Tuesday the 15th at seven o'clock. And basically diving into the history of Christmas, going to talk about the tradition of dressing Christmas trees, why we eat the things that we eat. Um, going to be talking about the Christmas shop windows. So Fab. yeah, and if you want to book that, you can book that on my website. Sounds amazing. Yay. Yay. Wonderful. The Wheel of Destiny. Right. It's wheel right. time. It's wheel time. <laughs> um, it's my turn this week, isn't it? It is. Have you done a little plan of things you want but to come up? Do you know what? I have, ha- I have done a little list after things. you said last week that, that you um, have have picked a couple of things that you want to talk about and i thought that was a pretty good idea so i (laughs) have done the same and um i haven't got one for everything on the wheel no i i I couldn't quite make that work either no because there is a lot on this wheel (laughs) Uh, (laughs) a bit mad a bit over the top um but yeah so i don't mind where it lands really you want westminster like (laughs) to be honest no that's an area that i think is (laughs) done to death recently um so yeah, I'm just happy to to go with whatever the wheel wants to to choose. I should re- I just realised that actually I didn't mention what the link was to Westminster. Um, the reason that it, I, I picked Westminster for yes. this is because all of this was happening in the Admiralty, which is uh, in Westminster. Ah, um, right. And it's all to do with you know um, the secret stuff that's going on basically in the Westminster area. So I didn't even yeah. mention that. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right okay come on Westminster okay, right you ready for the wheel ready for the wheel oh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, not where I thought it was gonna land Alex <laughs> where's it landed it's landed in the Thames it's really? landed in the River the Thames. Thames which is quite That's exciting fun. actually because you know you could talk about one of the bridges um could talk about did you put the Thames on your list um, I didn't actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Typical. Um, but I think, well, we are coming quite close to Christmas. Maybe what might be quite nice is to talk Very a little bit about, <laughs> <laughs> I know, um, to talk about ice skating and about how the Thames used to freeze over <gasps> in London. Oh, the frost fairs. The frost fairs. So, yes. Yes. Think, yes. And it's actually helping me because we're on Zoom right now and behind Alex is a fabulous picture <laughs> of mine. the River Thames um, and Tower Bridge. So, and it almost looks like it's frozen over. It looks so still and icy. Um, so I'm going to go for that. So I'm going to go for the frost fairs. 
Fabulous. London's oh, that's process. such a great story, that. Yeah. Yeah. Fairs. I talked about them actually on my uh, last virtual tour on Sunday. Oh, lovely. Fairs, yeah. Lovely. Yay. All right. Hey. Looking forward great. to that. Nice. Well, that's it for this week. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for coming and listening. Yeah, oh, thank so, you very much, guys. We're so thrilled that you come and listen. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, please come and come and have a chat to us as well. Uh, we're rocketing towards Christmas. We're gonna. We haven't quite figured out what we're doing Christmas wise with the podcast, but we'll 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 figure it out. Yes. Um, you know, we're we're still new to this game. Um, but thank you so much for coming and listening. I know some of you have um, sent the podcast on to people recently, which we really appreciate. Oh, so lovely. that's lovely. That's um, really. Really Please nice. like, subscribe, rate us. That's really helpful for people to find us as well. Uh, yeah, we're coming doing it. So, um, and keep sending us messages as well. That's that's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. That that definitely um, cheers us up through the day. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for for uh, listening. The polls will go live probably on about Sunday whenever we remember to do them uh, <laughs> uh, for this week's um, podcast pedestal and we will be back next week with the Frost Fairs perfect thank you so much guys you take care and have a lovely week take care bye bye bye